My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Sandeep Prasad and Frédéric Chabot. Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights formed in 2014 with the merger of three existing organizations. Action Canada for Population and Development, which had an international focus, came together with Canadians for Choice and with the Canadian Federation of Sexual Health, both of which were active primarily within Canada. The new organization works on a broad mix of issues related to sexual and reproductive health and sexual and reproductive rights, both internationally and in Canada. At the international level, Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights is part of the Sexual Rights Initiative, a coalition of groups from countries in both the Global North and the Global South, working primarily within the United Nations system to advocate for progressive policies on sexual and reproductive rights. Action Canada also partners directly with organizations working on these issues in other countries. Domestically, they're involved on a number of fronts. They offer a 24-7 access and support line that people can call when they face an unintended pregnancy or any sexual health issues. Related to that, they manage an emergency fund to help people overcome barriers to accessing abortion services. This frontline engagement with people attempting to access healthcare intimately informs the organization's policy advocacy, much of which is geared to pushing for changes in how healthcare in jurisdictions across Canada is organized and delivered so as to reduce and eventually eliminate the many different barriers that many different groups of people continue to face. Barriers that mean, notwithstanding a lot of rhetoric that we often hear in this country, that healthcare is still a long way from being truly universal. Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights also does education work around sexual and reproductive health. Some of that is public education, but it also involves developing resources for teachers to support the delivery of comprehensive sexuality education in schools, as well as educating healthcare professionals as part of the work of addressing barriers to access. And one of the most visible campaigns by the organization in recent years has been related to Mifigaimiso, a medication for inducing medical abortions. Though the drug has received Health Canada approval, albeit after an unusually lengthy process, it is still in the process of being taken up as one approach to delivering abortion services by healthcare systems and providers across the country. Action Canada has prepared resources to educate both the public and policymakers about the drug, and is advocating for things like public coverage of the costs of this quite expensive medication, and changes in what they argue are excessively restrictive regulations around prescribing and dispensing it in order to minimize barriers to access. In all of this work, Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights takes an approach that they describe as movement building. For them, a central aspect of what that term means involves working with groups, organizations, and movements that deal with different issues to understand how their respective struggles intersect and to collaborate in working towards a larger vision for justice. In some contexts, this is about recognizing how a common grounding in concern for bodily autonomy 
can break down silos that often divide groups that are working on different aspects of sexual, gender, and reproductive rights. But it also means situating their work in the context of broader struggles. For example, working to make sure that their policy work to make Mifigai Miso, as well as surgical abortion options, as accessible as possible, is situated in the larger call for access to health care by people who often face unjust exclusion from our supposedly universal system, such as indigenous people and refugees. Sandeep Prasad is the executive director of Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights, and Frédéric Chabot is their health information officer. They speak with me about barriers to health care in the Canadian context, and about the work of the organization to advance sexual and reproductive health, and sexual and reproductive rights both globally and in Canada. We spoke by Skype to phone from Ottawa. I'm Sandeep Prasad. I'm the executive director of Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights. And I'm Frederic Chabot. I'm the Health Information Officer for Action Canada. Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights is an organization that seeks to uphold and advance sexual and reproductive health and rights, both in Canada and overseas. We work domestically doing a range of things, including health promotion and domestic policy work. And we also work globally doing policy-related advocacy work, working with stakeholders around the world. For me, this work really goes back to when I was in university. I was at Queen's doing my undergrad. And at that time, I was doing perhaps a little bit more activism than actual studying. I got involved in several campus LGBT organizations, led a few of them as well during my time there, and really felt that working on human rights related to sexuality was something of a calling for me in my life. And I went to law school in order to be able to pursue human rights work more professionally. Then after law school, I started working with Action Canada for Population and Development after I became a lawyer. And that has led me to where I am now. As for myself, I am originally from Montreal. I moved to Ottawa in 2007 to do a master's degree at Carleton University in political science. I came here with the idea that I would study electoral systems, but that proved to be a little dry. And so I ended up changing my topic to dive into sex work politics and sex work and citizenship more specifically. And so as I was doing my master's, I started working at the same time at a local AIDS service organization, the AIDS Committee of Ottawa. So that was parallel to my studies to finish my master's degree. And I got involved in a local sex work advocacy group here in Ottawa because one of my roommates at the time was the founding member of that group. So all of that led me to, when I was ready to move on from the AIDS Committee of Ottawa, wanting to continue working in this field. And so I joined the team at Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights. Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights is a young organization, but formed of three organizations with a combined organizational history of probably over 80 years. It comes out of the desire to embrace a larger vision of sexual reproductive health and rights, both here in Canada and overseas. We are effectively linking together global, national, and local work. Previously with Action Canada for Population and Development, which I was the executive director of for about four years prior to amalgamation, 
We were solely a globally focused organization working within the international space, even though the staff members of Action Canada for Population and Development were all based in Canada. The organization itself didn't do work in Canada. And so we really felt the need to ensure that our global work was grounded well in our national realities. And at the same time, we had two domestic organizations that were, at that time, really small organizations. And as really small organizations of just, you know, one and a half, two people each, a lot of time, a lot of organizational time relative to overall staff power and staff resources is dedicated to just simply running the organization. So even though they each did work within the domestic sphere, very clearly we realized that we could be doing even more work in the domestic sphere, doing more programmatic work, speaking to more issues and touching more people's lives here in Canada by combining organizational resources. And so we've effectively off of that maintained a number of the programs that the two domestically focused predecessor organizations, those are Canadians for Choice and Canadian Federation for Sexual Health. We've maintained what they were doing in terms of the concrete programs they were offering, and we've added more onto that. We've been able to speak out on a greater number of issues domestically here in Canada. We've been able to use some of the global human rights mechanisms to try to advance the domestic sexual and reproductive rights agenda here in Canada. Give me an overview of the work that the organization does. Maybe start with the international side. So Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights globally does a few things. First of all, we are the secretariat of a coalition called the Sexual Rights Initiative. And the Sexual Rights Initiative is a Global South, Global North coalition that organizes along feminist lines, really, from a feminist perspective around issues of sexuality and gender. The principal site of that work is the United Nations Human Rights Council and the other mechanisms of the UN's human rights system. And what we do there is we advocate for progressive policies on sexual and reproductive rights. We seek to ensure that the global policy framework is built in a way that protects the most marginalized around the world and those that are stigmatized or face human rights violations based on sexuality, on reproduction, or on gender. Another thing that we do as part of that is working with national and local groups around the world. We help them to use the UN system, the UN accountability mechanisms, so the various mechanisms within the UN's human rights system, to be able to hold their own governments accountable and really to advance their own domestic sexual and reproductive rights agendas. Those sorts of processes really need the participation of civil society organizations, particularly ones that are based in those countries. And basically what we do is we help to translate that knowledge both from the global to the national level and vice versa from the national to the global level. So it's really that sort of work that we do at the global level. Much of it is in partnership with other organizations, both within the Sexual Rights Initiative Coalition, but also well beyond that coalition as well. And we always seek to take a movement building approach to that. So when you look at the structure of the Sexual Rights Initiative Coalition itself, each partner comes from a different social movement related to sexuality or gender whether it's you know a women's rights agenda, whether it's an LGBT movement, 
we are coming together to discuss the broad range of sexuality issues and how they influence and affect every human being and really seeking to organize around those principles. And what's involved in the domestic side of Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights work? We manage a 24-7 access and support line that people can call when they face an unintended pregnancy or any sexual health issues. We have a large team of volunteers as well as staff in-house who take those calls and speak to people in Canada who need information and referrals when it comes to issues of reproductive or sexual health. That is also tied to the managing of an emergency fund to help people access abortion services when they are facing barriers to access which is interesting because we do get a really interesting snapshot of what barriers to healthcare look like across Canada. So who's facing barriers and who does it impact more when it comes to access to healthcare? And that informs our policy work. So it's all tied to the organization's goals more broadly. We also continued the Sexual and Reproductive Health Awareness Week. It was a campaign that the Canadian Federation for Sexual Health was running yearly to mostly speak to the public about sexual and reproductive health. And we have since brought in this audience. We seek to talk to service providers as well as the public to build their capacity when it comes to ensuring that people have access to the best available care and make sure that people realize their sexual and reproductive health goals. So this is a campaign we partner with a lot of grassroots organizations across Canada to realize that we've had amazing partnerships with groups across Canada to speak to barriers that people face when they seek to access healthcare. And so we have developed material for healthcare providers to improve the conversation between diverse communities and their healthcare providers. We've been working on Mifigaimisos, the new abortion drug that has been approved by Health Canada about a couple of years ago. We are in the middle of its rollout across Canada, so we have taken a role in making sure that this rollout would actually address a lot of access issues in Canada when it comes to abortion. We have built a lot of resources to make sure that people have information on the drugs, to make sure that policymakers were aware of barriers when it comes to accessing that new drug. So, for example, right now, the cost of this drug is over $400. So we're talking with policymakers across Canada to make sure that the cost will be covered by public health care. We're in discussion with Health Canada, too, because there's still some barriers that are making access to this drug really difficult for many people in Canada. We've also continued the work of the Canadian Federation of Sexual Health on comprehensive sexuality education. So we've been building resources for educators to support their implementation of sex ed curriculums across Canada. We are working on developing tools to make sure that people in different provinces and the public can assess their sex ed curriculums and advocate for better comprehensive sex education across Canada and advocating for guidelines that will uphold the best possible outcomes when it comes to sexuality education in Canada. I also want to make a plug for an upcoming resource that we'll be launching at the end of the summer called Beyond the Basics, which is a resource of materials and exercises that teachers can use in classrooms in order to implement sexuality education. 
We want to make sure that sex ed in schools across Canada is strong, it's rights-based, and that teachers are supported in actually delivering that content. Tell me more about what the organization has learned about barriers to access to healthcare in Canada from your frontline work. We do get to talk to a lot of people across Canada daily, and that in itself is great. And we actually get such valuable information in terms of what our priorities should be on the policy side of things. So, for example, when it comes to our emergency fund, I would say that the majority of the calls for assistance come from specific communities or populations. We get to talk to a lot of very young people, so youth who have faced barriers in terms of accessing proper health care or didn't have the right information or the stigma of youth and sexuality making it really difficult to access the supports that they need. And so they end up having to access our organization to support them in accessing reproductive health services. Another community we get a lot of calls from are people who have very precarious immigration statuses and so who see their access to healthcare really jeopardized because of that. And then I would also say that we talk to a lot of people who are facing daily emergencies, so be it, you know, poverty or domestic violence or issues with drug use that make access to healthcare really complicated. And so that informs how we prioritize when we speak to stakeholders, to lawmakers, to policymakers. So, you know, we are interested in getting involved with people who further the rights of migrants. Because we know that people who are in precarious immigration situations have a really difficult time to access healthcare providers, or we really seek to advance the rights of youth when it comes to accessing healthcare or supports or proper information, including comprehensive sexuality education, because we get to talk to them on the access line and we get to hear the real life stories of how complicated it can be to get access to healthcare. And talk more about the campaign around Mifigaimiso. This is an important campaign, not just because of promoting this particular medication itself, although it is a very important medication. It is because access to that medication speaks to a lot of other issues in terms of access to abortion in Canada. So we've taken a keen interest in seeing it taken on and discussed by elected officials, by ministries, by health ministers, etc., So we have developed a lot of information resources to make sure that both the public and policymakers would have all the information they need to take action to make sure that Mifigaimiso is available to all and access is not complicated by barriers. We have a side of our campaign that is dedicated to ensure that people have the most up-to-date and the most comprehensive information on access to Mifigaimiso and on Mifigaimiso itself and on medical abortion. And then another side of our campaign is figuring out how to take action to see the rollout be really successful in Canada and see medical abortion be available to all of those who wish to access it. So we have four pillars for our advocacy around access to Mifigaimiso. One of them is that we want to see cost coverage across Canada. So we are working hard to speak with health ministers across Canada to drum up support across different provinces for people to ask their government to promise to pledge the coverage of the cost of Mifigaimiso. Because right now the costs are so high that it doesn't actually make the new medication available to many Canadians. 
then we want to hold governments who have pledged cost coverage accountable to that promise. So we want to make sure that once a province has pledged coverage, that the timeline will be as short as possible. We have also mapped out how we could have conversations with people at the provincial level to make sure that the rollout happens as quickly as possible once they have figured out cost coverage. We have also taken on advocacy for federal patients. Not everyone is covered by provincial and territorial health care. There's some communities across Canada who are covered by the federal government, so they're federal patients. Some First Nations and Inuit people, incarcerated people, migrants and refugees who are covered by certain federal programs, military personnel, and also some veterans. So we have made sure to build resources for ourselves to be able to advocate on behalf of these communities to make sure that it is also situated in a larger call for access to health care for the people who are federal patients, to make sure that not only do they also get access to Mifigai Miso, but that it's in the context of easy access to quality health care for those communities. And then we're still working on the barriers that Health Canada imposed on the rollout of Mifigai Miso. Mifigai Miso was approved in July of 2015 after one of its longest review period for a new medication. And once it was, Health Canada imposed really stringent conditions to the prescribing and the dispensing of the pill itself. So we have been working hard with stakeholders to make sure that these barriers fall one after the other because they are compromising access to this important medication. Right now, we have a focus certainly on the gestational limit that was imposed by Health Canada. In a lot of places, this medication is prescribed up to 10 and sometimes beyond weeks of gestation for pregnancy, and Health Canada decided that in Canada, it couldn't be prescribed beyond seven weeks. So we're working on that barrier. We're also working with people in different professional bodies because one of the restrictions from Health Canada has to do with how physicians and pharmacists can prescribe and dispense the pill. Health Canada has imposed restrictions around that that are particularly stringent, so we're working with people to ensure that we build a really solid case to show Health Canada that these restrictions are not necessary to make sure, again, that this doesn't compromise access by making it really complicated for doctors and pharmacists to start dispensing and prescribing. You used the language of movement building to describe the organization's work. What do you mean by that, and what exactly does it look like? I come from grassroots advocacy, so that's my background. I worked for years and I still work in coalitions of grassroots movement and organizations that develop advocacy plan and information resources to push forward their own social justice movement. And in every one of those instances, it was pretty clear that working across social justice movement is what makes the most sense. So there's a lot of time and resources that is dedicated to ensure that we understand better how our different agendas actually intersect and can prop each other up in terms of demanding justice and demanding better access to resources and to upholding human and labor rights for different communities. 
And so it's about understanding where we have common goals and reaching out to people and building relationships with people who are working every day in Canada to ensure more justice and social change across different issues and see how we can work together. It definitely relies a lot on relationship. And just to add to that, when you engage at the global level on sexual and reproductive health and rights issues, there are diverse movements that work on specific aspects of that, whether it's organizations and movements working on LGBT issues, on sexual orientation and gender identity, on HIV, on gender-based violence, on abortion, on family planning and contraception. There's very distinct silos that often emerge from the very specific focus of specific social justice movements in terms of how they've arisen. And certainly with the sexual rights initiative work that we do globally, our view is that we see how these issues connect. Fundamentally, whether we're talking about sexuality or reproductive rights, and we see that as very strongly related concepts, these are all issues that are fundamentally linked to gender norms. Globally and in Canada, people experience restrictions or social marginalization or stigma based on how they conduct themselves in terms of their sexual lives, in terms of their reproductive lives, in terms of their self-determination in exercising those rights. That's really what links them together. It's the sense of these are all part of a, a broader framework Certainly in terms of organizations and movements working on sexuality and gender, movement building for us is about bringing those together to advance a broader agenda, an agenda that's built on taking a step back and really looking at the core underlying issues. And that really brings us to the concept of bodily autonomy. We want to advance bodily autonomy because globally, whether it's through, again, through laws, regulations, policies, or just social norms, people are constrained in how they can exercise their bodily autonomy when it comes to their sexual and reproductive decision-making. And that's something that we want to see addressed. What would you suggest to listeners in different parts of the country who are interested in getting involved in these kinds of issues? One of the things that we focus on is building information resources or information products so people have the information they need to start organizing or join social movements that do push for change. And so we always pay attention to make sure that we pay heed to the movements who are pushing forward a lot of these issues and make sure that we use our reach and our platform to bring attention to different movements that are pushing this forward. So we invite people to come and look at our resources, look at our website to see what campaigns we're focusing our energies on, to definitely get in touch with us, to get involved when we send out calls for people to take action on different legislations, different bills, different court cases that are going through in Canada, to join us in putting pressures on health ministers, on our prime ministers and our elected officials generally. So we often send out those calls and we detail exactly what we think are interventions that may have great impact. And then we try to connect ourselves with movements and connect people with other movements who we work alongside of. You have been listening to my interview with Sandeep Prasad and Frédéric Chabot about the work of Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights. To learn more about their work, go to sexualhealthandrights.ca.
That's sexualhealthandrights.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.